15, I know you're standing. Amen. I know your afterburner didn't end at 2 o'clock this morning. Some of you are still a little tired and weary. Amen. We have to travel and get back home to our churches, so I do not want to belabor the point. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to start at verse 11. Very familiar passage of scripture. I'm going to read very quickly through my text. I have quite a few verses. Um, but I promise you, I'm going to try my best not to be long. I heard somebody say recently, they said, that's the number one lie preachers tell. If a preacher say he is not going to be long, you already know he's going to be long. Amen. But I'm going to do my best to try to get in and get out. I think my text is actually longer than my message. So maybe that'll give you some hope. Amen. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. The Bible says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Verse 13. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I'm at verse 18. And I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. I'm at verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to it, the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father have killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Verse 29, And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Verse 30 of Luke 15, but as soon as this thy son was come, which have devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Last verse, verse 32, it was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is Found. Can we say amen to the reading of the word? For a brief moment, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I simply want to preach and use this as my subject today, the tale of two testimonies. The tale of two testimonies. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. The tale of two testimonies. The tale of two testimonies. Everybody shout that. The tale of two testimonies. In 2005, I met my wife, Tanya, in Alexandria, Louisiana. If I'm not mistaken, they should have a picture uh, of my wife missing my family. 
She'll be coming up, I think, momentarily. She'll be having a picture of my wife. Maybe not. There she is. Amen. Somebody say, "Woo! Watch yourself now. Watch yourself." I'm just, I'm just playing. That's my wife. Amen. Amen. Should have a picture of my kids coming up too as well. I can't see. That's, that's my namesake right there, Myron Whitman the third. Everybody calls him M3. Matter of fact, he's in a championship basketball game right now. I pray that they're winning. And my daughter Skylar, she's six. That's our babies. But I met my wife in 2005. I met Tanya in Alexandria, Louisiana. I was interning uh, at her church, the Pentecostals of Alexandria. It was, I got some POA people here, Louisiana people, amen. Why y'all got quiet for? Where you at? Acknowledge us, where you at? Y'all scared now, amen. It was a 16-week internship that tremendously impacted my life. 2005, I went for ministry training, but along the way, I noticed this pretty young lady. So I went for ministry. I promise you, my heart was in the right place. I promise you. Amen. God just uh, helped me while I was out there. Amen. I met this young lady, and I began to watch her for a little while before I approached her. I began to check her out uh, from a distance without you know, letting her know I was interested in her. I began to watch and marvel how she carried herself. I liked the way she handled herself with her friends, how she handled herself even with the opposite sex, how she handled herself even with her parents and authority. That's very important, young people. Because if they don't respect their pastor or respect their parents, they ain't going to respect you. Let me, let me move on. Let me move on. It's Saturday morning. Let me move on. So there was something special about this girl to me. So I began to keep watching her, not in a creepy, stalkerish way, I promise you. Uh, but I began to just watch her and investigate a little bit. And upon my exit, I was only there for 16 weeks. Upon my exit from Louisiana, we couldn't date. I was an intern, and, you know, of course, we couldn't date and stuff like that. But we exchanged numbers before I left. And I began January 2006 for Because of the Times, my parents met her parents and all that good stuff and we began to officially date with me living in Georgia and her living in Louisiana 10 hours apart obviously we really didn't get a chance to see each other that much and spend a lot of time with each other so we had to talk on the phone a lot that was our only mode of communication was talking on the phone we would talk about God we would talk about life we would talk about sports I remember asking her what's your favorite sport she said basketball I said well you're a woman after my own heart. I feel a connection here. I said, who's your all-time favorite player? She said, Kobe Bryant. I said, this, I, said, I said, this is meant to be. Amen. I said, speak, Lord, speak. I'm just playing. I promise you. I didn't marry her because of that. I promise you. So we began to start talking about all kind of stuff. Talked about goals and shopping and just all kind of stuff. But one day we got on the subject of our testimonies. So I went first, and you know, you know me, I ain't got no shame in my game, y'all. I went first, and I began to tell her all about my past, and I told her how I was raised in the church, and I was baptized in Jesus' name, received the Holy Ghost, sitting on my mother's lap at seven years old. I told her how my parents were in the ministry. My dad is a pastor, and mom, first lady, and 
You know, every time the doors of the church were open, we were always in church. It seemed like we were more in church than we were in our own home sometime. I told her I was a Bible quizzer for eight years. Any Bible quizzers in here are ex-Bible quizzers? Amen. I was a Bible quizzer for eight years, went to youth camps every summers, Sunday school every Sunday, youth congress, all that good stuff. But I made a turn in my life, and I began to explain and talk to her about this. And I said, at the age of 15, I began to start hanging around the wrong crowd. At the age of 15, I began to start backsliding. I told her, at the age of 15, and I said, my childhood best friend is here. He can testify to everything I'm saying. At the age of 15, I, I got involved. I got jumped into a gang. I got involved in gang activity. And I'm telling her this. And at 15 years old, I started smoking marijuana, drinking alcohol, living a life of promiscuity. At 16, 17, 18, I started getting in trouble with the law. At one point, I made a reference to this last night, at one point in my life, I was facing two felonies on my record, one for grand theft, one for arson. I was involved in some crazy stuff, y'all. So I'm explaining all this to her on the phone, and I then made another turn. I began to tell her of my conversion, of how I came back to God. I told her about a Friday night service that was at my church. It was a missions conference. It was a Friday night in 2004, and Brother Gary Soames, he was a missionary to Spain. He pastors in California right now. He, he was the minister for that weekend in my church. He walked over to me. He put his finger in my face and he said, young man, this is the last time God is going to call you. He didn't know who I was. I didn't look like this. He didn't know my dad was the pastor. He just said, God gave me a word for you. And he put that finger in my face. I had two chances. Either I could receive it and feel conviction or I, could, or I could have got offended and said, who are you talking to? It's amazing how a lot of us, we're not convicted anymore. We're just offended when the man of God preaches what thus saith the Lord. He put his finger in my face and he said, I don't know who you are. He said, but God told me to come tell you this is your last opportunity. You better get yourself together tonight. I fell on my face that night. I, I explained this to Tanya while I'm talking to her. I said, I begin to repent. And God restored me that same night. I began to tell her about the changes that I began to make in my life. I said, Tanya, that's my testimony that in spite of all of my mess, in spite of all my filth, in spite of all my drama, in spite of all the reproach that I brought to my parents and our church, I said, God gave me another chance. He gave me another opportunity to be used by him. And I began to talk to her, and I said, that's what I'm doing today. That's why when I, when I left that scene, that's when I came to your church in Louisiana for those 16 weeks to try to get away from my environment and to try to just go deep. And I said, here I am today. I'm here only by the grace and mercy of God. So I'm talking to Tanya. We're getting to know each other a little more. And after I unloaded and told her all of this, I paused, waiting on a response or a reaction from her. But Tanya was quiet on the other end. I'm like, Did, hello, you still there? And I said, oh, Lord, I, I said, maybe I told her too much. I said, maybe too soon. Maybe I should have gave it to her in stages, maybe. Hey, Amen. That's too much to handle in, in uh, one, one, one conversation. And I said, I don't scare this poor girl away. Finally, 
She spoke up and she said, wow, that's an unbelievable testimony. And I said, to God be the glory. I said, now you know what? Enough about me. Tell me your testimony. She said, I don't have a testimony. I said, everybody has a testimony. I'm just talking today, but y'all better hear me preach. She said, no, no, no. She said, no. After hearing your testimony, she said, I don't have a testimony. I said, all right. I said, let's go down the list. I said, tell me a little bit about your past. She said, sure. I struggled with peer pressure growing up, but nothing in particular. I thought she was trying to be holy, y'all. I thought she was trying to be, you know, super modest. I said, all right, I'm going to start interrogating you. I said, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I said, have you ever been suspended from school? She said, no. I said, wow. I can remember being suspended the second day of school, fighting all kind of stuff. Said, really? Nope. I said, have you ever smoked anything? She said, nah. I'm allergic to smoke. Okay. Okay. I said, I'm going to get you in a minute. I said, have you ever drunk alcohol? She said, nope. Nope. Uh-uh. Never. I said, have you ever got a speeding ticket? She said, I did get pulled over for speeding one time, but they let me go with the warning. I said, that still don't count. Yeah. Okay. I said, I'm going to get you. I said, have you ever gotten a fist fight before? She said, yeah, I fight with my brothers all the time. <laughs> that don't count. So, no. I hesitantly asked her, I said, are you still a virgin? She said, yes. You do know that's not a bad word. Y'all got quiet in here. We still believe in abstinence until marriage, right? I know it's 2022. I know it's 21st century, but we still believe in waiting and keeping yourself until God sends the right one and not giving yourself away to everybody. I got to get out of here. I got to move, y'all. Everybody talks about STDs and sexually transmitted diseases. You better watch out for sexually transmitted demons. You better be careful with who you touch and lay down with because you always get up with a piece of them. Yeah, we talk about this. Everybody want to get cracked. We still believe in abstinence until you say I do. I wish I had some parents saying amen. I wish I had some pastors, some youth pastors saying preach, boy. We're trying to save you from heartache and shame. So, so, I'm just talking today. Y'all can be seated. So, so she said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin. She said, so, she said, you know, she said, man, that, that's why I told you, Myron. She said, I don't have a testimony after hearing everything that you've been through and everything that God has brought you from she said I don't have a testimony let me preach for a few minutes while I'm here you see this is the problem that we have in the church it's going to be tight in here this morning we we've celebrated horror stories for so long that the person who's not involved in illegal and immoral stuff they feel that I am inadequate and do not have a testimony I immediately told Tanya I said Tanya that's your testimony she said I didn't say nothing what's my testimony I said your testimony is you had the same opportunity to drink you had the same opportunity 
opportunity to smoke. You have the same opportunity to fornicate and to break the law. I said your testimony is that God kept you and your story is just as powerful as mine. I begin to tell her, yes, I know it may not be animated and controversial like mine. I said, Tanya, but it still has the same value. Let me preach to every young person in this house. You don't have to leave the church and come back just to have a testimony. All you have to do is stay in the church and let God cover you. Let God keep you. And you already have a testimony of significance okay. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 the Bible says and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death I want you to notice that they overcame the devil here it is by the word of their testimony everybody shout there there is a little word but it has a big meaning that word there everybody shout there there is a possessive pronoun which means they did not make it off of somebody else's testimony but they made it off of their own testimony let me help somebody we have this issue in the church that many people they want a testimony like brother so and so sister so and so who was delivered from drugs and alcohol and some heinous addiction they left the church and made it back they want these action stories that almost sound like a movie so when people hear about it they are amazed but the problem with that scenario is is that you can go out in the world trying to create and trying to make a testimony and the scary thing is, is that you may not have the opportunity young person to make it back to the house of God because sin is fun yes it is did y'all hear what I just said I didn't misspeak the preacher said sin is fun yes Yes, it is. It looks good. It feels good. It tastes good. It smells good. The Bible said sin is pleasurable. Yes, it is. But here's the caveat is that it's only fun and pleasurable for a season. And after that season, then comes destruction. Then comes damnation and death. My question for everybody in this ballroom, how long is your season? Your season may be one week. You may leave the church and lose your life your season may be five years I don't know but why take the chance why take the risk of even playing with your destiny playing with your anointing and playing with your soul and your life the best thing for you to do honey is to plant both of your feet in the house of God and say come hell or hot water I'm not leaving this place I'm not going anywhere this is the best thing for me somebody lift your hands and begin to worship right now I feel God moving already I feel God ministering to us right now 
One of the greatest testimonies you can have, young people, uh, is not about how many drugs you've taken. Uh, it's not about how many people you've slept with. Uh, it's not how many times you've been to jail. Uh, it's not about how much alcohol you consumed. Uh, it's not about how bad you were, but God brought you through. Uh, but one of the greatest testimonies, one of the greatest stories uh, any apostolic young person can have uh, is that he kept me. Uh, and he did not let me fall. God, I might as well preach on this last service. One of the greatest testimonies anybody can have is to be able to say, I don't know what it feels like to have a hangover. I don't know what it feels like to be high off drugs. One of the greatest testimonies anybody can have is to say, I don't know what it feels like to have an STD. I don't know what it feels. Can I, can I just be real and preach? I don't know what it feels like to have a baby out of wetlock. I don't know what it feels like to pop pills. One of the greatest testimonies I can have is that I've stayed in the house of God. That's why David said in Psalms 23 and 6, he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalms 27 and 4, David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David then said in Psalms, Psalms 84 and 10 he said for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand he said I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness I'm just wondering do I have any apostolic young people who can say I still love the house of God thank you young man I still love the church I still oh God I still love coming to HYC I still love praising and worshiping. I still believe in Jesus' name baptism. I still believe in speaking in tongues. I still believe it's holiness or hell. I still believe that Jesus is the is the one true living God I still love my pastor I still need a man of God in my life I still love my first lady I love everything about my church and there is nothing you can do about it do I have anybody who can just thank God for the church there's nothing out there that's better than what you have in the church So y'all, y'all can be seated. I'm just talking today. Y'all can be seated for a few moments. So told you I was going to hurry, so let me keep my word. Let's get to the text now, Luke 15. Everybody shout the tale of two testimonies. Don't miss me. Don't miss me through here. Don't think that you heard this story, and I know exactly where he's going. Maybe you don't. Luke 15, we see the tale of two testimonies. First, we read about the younger brother. He's a millennial or a Gen Zer, or whatever catchy name they come up with. He's tired of all the standards. He's tired of all the rules, the house rules of the father house. So he goes to his father. He says, hey, he doesn't even ask him. He demands his inheritance, knowing that he is not supposed to get the inheritance until 
the father dies. Howbeit the father grants his request, gives him his inheritance. The young man leaves and heads out into the world. Bible talks about a far country. Anytime you leave the church, you're always going to go far. And not in a good way because sin will always take you further than you expect it to go. Sin will always keep you longer than you expect it to stay. Do I have a witness in here? Sin will always cost you more than you expect it to Yeah, sin, sin always takes you further. So he went out, the Bible says he wasted his money on riotous living, partying. He had the club making it rain, y'all. He alcohol everywhere just he paying he paying for the whole club girls everywhere it got so bad y'all that he ended up in a pig's pen but one day while feeding the pig the bible says he came to himself got his mind right and said i'm heading back home i'm going back to my father's house because i'm a son but even the servants live better than this so he arose and you know the story he headed home as he approached his house, his father had been looking and praying. He came and met him, fell on him. What a display of compassion. Let me inject this before I move on. When backsliders come home, and how many people know they're coming? We've been praying. We've been fasting. We've been watching. We've been saving their seat. It has to come to pass. Oh, God. It has to come to pass. But let me inject this. When they come back home, do not give them a cold shoulder. Put your arms around them and give them a warm hug. They don't need people reminding them of where they came from and what they did. They just need somebody to throw a party and be glad they made it back home. I need you to notice. I need you to notice in the text. Uh, the father did not. I saw you on Facebook. I saw you on Instagram acting a fool. I saw you on TikTok doing all those crazy dances. Uh, the father did not come out and say, man, why you smell like that? Why you look like, no, he didn't do none of that. But he immediately hugged him and kissed him and told his servants, go bring me a robe, ring, and some shoes and kill the fatted calf. We're getting ready to party, party, party. Because my son who was dead is now alive. My son who was lost is now found. What a powerful testimony of God's redemption and grace. But be seated for a moment, because many preachers, we tend to stop right there and call it a day and shout and rejoice over the younger brother. But remember what my title, my subject was. It was the tale of how many? Uh, the tale of two testimonies. All right, so that's the first brother, the first testimony in comes the elder brother he missed all the commotion y'all because he was out in the field working uh, so when he returned home he asked the servants hey what's all this fuss about what's all this noise about 
the service said, hey, you didn't hear? Your younger bro, he's back home. Man, he was backslid, but he's back. They begin to tell the older brother, you ought to hear his story, man. He was going to clubs. He was sleeping with prostitutes, smoking weed, getting drunk. He even had to live in a pig's pen. Ooh. Wow, that is crazy. But he's back home, so your dad is getting ready to throw a crazy party in his honor. The elder brother got angry and said, I ain't even going to that party. He said, hold on, I've been here my whole life. I never left. He said, hold on, I never backslid. I never took your inheritance. I never went in the world. I never sinned against you. I never came home drunk. I never got a girl pregnant. I don't have one tattoo, no piercing. You never had to bail me out of jail. And you never thrown a party in my honor. The dad said, boy, hush your mouth. Everything that I have is yours. All right, this is my last service, so I might as well get in trouble while I'm here, y'all. I might as well get in some trouble because hopefully I'm okay, youth prayers. If I'm not, just pull my coattail and no hard feelings. Uh, but from the outside looking in, y'all, I've preached from this text many years, many years. But from the outside looking in, if y'all allow me, I can almost understand the elder brother's frustration. <laughs> I know we always hear sermons about the elder brother is self-righteous and he's jealous and he's judgmental. He should have been more supportive of his younger brother. Yes, he should have. And I preach that and I'm going to continue to preach that too. But the more I consider this story and look at it from the elder brother's vantage point, there was some merit to what he was saying. I don't think he was not happy that his brother was back home, but maybe he was a little hurt that his faithfulness and his testimony, it went unnoticed. Y'all better hear me preaching. Y'all ain't got to say a thing to me. If we are not careful, the church will become just like the father, only looking for the backsliders only looking for the people that left and not appreciating the people that stayed I know that God leaves the 99 righteous and he goes to find that one lost sheep but you cannot discount the 99 righteous you cannot discredit the 99 righteous you have to appreciate their faithfulness Y'all don't like me, y'all don't like me, y'all don't like me. There's, there's something commendable. There's something uh, that's honorable about people, especially young people uh, who are loyal, steadfast, unmovable, uh, and faithful to the house of God. Uh, we live in a generation that nobody is loyal anymore. I'm talking about people aren't loyal to their churches, uh, loyal to their jobs, loyal to their families. Uh, nobody is loyal anymore. Look at Hollywood. Uh, they get married every six months, y'all. Uh, there is no loyalty. It's something respectable uh, about young men and young women uh, who are loyal to their house, uh, who are loyal to their leadership, uh, loyal to their church. Uh, and yes, I think we ought to throw a party uh, every time a backslider comes home. Uh, but at the same time, time we ought to sometimes throw a party for the ones who never left home 
Yes, I'm a backslider. And when I came back home with all my mess and all my gold teeth and all my marijuana, they loved on me and prayed me back through. But hear me, what about the young person who never did that? What about the young man and young woman who's been faithful since they were born? We ought to sometime say, I love the backslider, but let me appreciate this one who's been here every Sunday, been here every Wednesday. They be at every press service, every community outreach. We got to appreciate and applaud everybody. God, I feel this thing now. We, we cannot only grab people like myself uh, who got a crazy story uh, and parade them across the stage uh, and make it all about them uh, while we have people sitting in our crowds uh, who have been working, uh, who have been laboring and faithful. Uh, we ought to grab them sometime uh, and bring them on stage uh, and parade them uh, and applaud and appreciate them. The father, you may have never heard it like this before, but the father, the father, hear me, he had to take some of this blame, y'all. This is, this is mine. This, this, this is me, y'all. If your pastor teaches something different, listen to him. I'm wrong and he's right. Uh, this is what God gave me, I feel. Uh, the father has to take some blame, y'all, uh, because obviously the older brother felt uh, like his testimony did not matter. Did you hear what the father said? He said, oh, you can get whatever you want, boy. You live in my house. Well, why you ain't never did it? Don't just tell me now. Why didn't you throw a party for me before the younger brother came on. Did you notice? I got to get out of here for y'all run me out of Alabama. Go ahead and start the car, bro. We got to ride. We got to get back to Atlanta quick. Did you notice, y'all, that when the younger brother came home with all his mess, where was the elder brother? Say it again. He was working for the father. Uh, the younger brother is out wasting the inheritance, playing with sin, uh, and the elder brother is working for the father. Uh, and just like many of you others are in the world wasting their anointing, uh, wasting their gifts and talents, uh, and playing with the devil, uh, and you are in the church working for the Lord. Uh, you're singing on the praise team. Uh, you're teaching Bible studies. You're, you're leading P7 clubs and CMI ministries. Uh, you're playing instruments. You're cleaning the church. You're doing all kind of stuff. And sometimes it feels like you go unnoticed. We as the general church, we have to do a better job of appreciating and applauding everybody. Let me just take a few moments to talk to every young person in this house who is contemplating leaving the church and you're getting discouraged and feel like you do not matter. You already have an amazing and testimony uh, right where you are. Uh, hear me, if you never get appreciated or applauded, uh, stay in the house. Uh, God keeps good books. Uh, let me just pause for a minute uh, and applaud every young person. Uh, we celebrate every young person. Uh, we give you a standing ovation. Uh, we honor you today for your service. Uh, we honor you for your faithfulness. Uh, don't let the devil make you feel like you got to go out there to be appreciated uh, because there is nothing out there y'all but poison there is nothing out there but shame and guilt and death stay in the house because God keeps good books and if you never get a pat on your back I pray you do
If you never get applauded, I hope you do. Trust me, your heavenly father is keeping tabs on everything. I got more to say, but remain standing. I'm going to close through here. I'm going to tell you why I'm preaching like this. I'm going to tell you I got more to say, but I'm done. I feel God pulling my coat till I'm done. Let me tell you why I'm preaching like this. I can tell you story after story, but for sake of time, I'm going to give you the one that's dearest to my heart that Brother Jennings is... This kind of led me on this path that I'm on, Brother Maddox. It, it led me on this path, this journey that I'm on, preaching like I'm preaching today. It was many years ago, many, many, many years ago. There was a young lady, great young lady, great young lady. Uh, she was with her boyfriend, and she had a, got pregnant and uh, had a baby out of wedlock. And, and uh, we at the church, we, we rallied around this young lady. We rallied around her, and uh, it was many times, it was many services, y'all. We would, we would sometimes even bring her down to the front because we wanted her to know that you don't have, yes, you made a mistake, yes, it's wrong, we get it, but God can still forgive you. God can still anoint that baby. It ain't the baby's fault. You don't know what's going on. We, God can still use you, all that type of stuff. And we rallied around this young lady, the whole church, all the mothers of the church loving and hugging and kissing. Oh, it's going to be all right, baby. You're going to be right back where you were, which we should do. We don't say amen until it happened to you or somebody in your family. We believe in restoration. We believe in forgiveness. It's biblical. So, yeah, you may not be able to serve in the capacity you were serving in, but we still love you. You still have a place here. You still have a house here. And so we did all of that. One of our young people, precious young people, young person in the church, scheduled a meeting with me and said, uh, uh, Pastor Myron, can I talk with you? I said, yeah, let's, let's set the meeting up. And we talked. I didn't know what this meeting was going to be about. This young person, I never had to worry about them. Notice, never had to worry about them because they were always here. Never really got in and out of relationships. Never got in trouble in school. Was always respectful. Always participating in church events. I, you know, what in the world do they want to talk to me about? So I had this meeting with them. This is what messed me up, y'all, and caused me to go on this journey. I'm talking to this young person, and they said... You know, the individual that we've been praying for and loving on and rallied, and, I, and I'm doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. They said, but if I can be honest, Pastor Meyer and I, they said, I was looking when the whole church was around this individual and loving her and praying. He said, I looked up there and wished I was her. I wasn't expecting that. And it hit me. I said, what, what, what do you mean? They said, I'm here every service. I'm trying to do everything I can. And I'm sitting over here doing everything I can. And nothing. He said, in that moment, I wish I could have went from my good girl image or whatever and stood in her shoes. She said, just so I can feel the love. Just so I can feel 
the rallying and the hugs and the appreciation and God hit me. I said, God, could it be that we've put all of our efforts into the prodigal that left and we are forgetting about the faithful ones who help keep the lights on who oh god who sometimes they beat us to church they're faithful they're in the prayer they're in the altar call they're in all the prayers I said God forgive me God I said God help me to reach for the ones who never left as much as I reached for the ones who did leave I said somehow God give me balance God let me not only fast for the prodigals but let me fast that you keep your hands on the ones that never left please please God please I said, please, God, please. I said, open. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I said, thank you for opening my eyes. Because many times we think, oh, they're okay. And oh, they'll always be here. But hear me. You don't know the enemy is whispering in their ear already. Saying, you're not appreciated. No, the church don't love you. Go out in the world. Hear me. That's a lie. The church does love you. The church needs you. The church wants you. God needs you. God wants you. Please stay here. Because all the world is going to do is chew you up and spit you out. Stay right where you are. I got to quit, y'all. I got to quit. I got more to say, but I promise you I'm done. I want every young person to find your youth group right now. Thank you for responding without me even having to ask you. That means God is talking to you right now. I want you to find your youth group right now. If you can't do that, find somebody that you know. The whole, I know it's tight space. You may not be, all, be able to all get together, but find somebody in your church, in your youth group. Pastors, if you are here, help us, help us. You may have to stretch out in the back, down the sides. I don't care. We're getting ready to turn this ballroom into a house of prayer. I want you to find your group right now. Find somebody that you're connected to. And I don't want you to wait on me, but I want you to begin to start praying even now. I want you to go ahead and start lifting your voice and praying even now. I want you to cover each other right now. Come on, come on. I want you as a youth group, I want you as a church body right now to say, you know what? Let's make a commitment. Let's make a vow, a consecration that yes, we're going to pray for every backslider. Every person that left this youth group and left this church, they're coming back home. But we're also going to pray for each other. We're going to pray for the ones who are still in the house. We're going to pray for the ones who never left. And there's another category. God said, I'm getting ready to send new people your way. He said, I'm getting ready to send unchurched people your way. Come on, come on, youth groups, come on. You got to lift your voice and say, we're going to cover each other. I'm not going to let you leave. I'm not going to let you backslide over my dead body, not on my watch. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to intercede for you. If nobody else tells you, I'm going to tell you I love you. I'm going to tell you I appreciate you. I'm going to tell you I need you to survive. Come on, that's it. I need you to weep over your sister. I need you to weep over your brother right now. We pray that every prodigal come back home. I speak it. I speak it to the north, south, east, west wind. I speak it out there in the name of Jesus. Prodigals, come back home. 
Come on, the same way I came back home, uh, the same way some of you came back home, uh, God is going to restore the prodigals. Uh, God is going to give us a restoration of a revival of prodigals. Um, but come on, we got to pray just as hard uh, for the ones who are still here. Uh, we got to pray for the ones who are in the church, uh, but they're struggling silently. Uh, we got to pray for the ones who are in the house, uh, but they are struggling secretly. Somebody pray strength right now. I feel the spirit of God in this house. Come on and pray. Come on, that's it. Come on and pray. Come on and pray. I want to see my, my brother come back to church. I want to see my sister come back to church. Come on, the hand you're holding right now. I, I, I don't want to ever let this hand go. I don't ever want to see you on Facebook in the world. I don't want to see you on Instagram living for the devil. I love you too much. There's too much anointing on you. God has too many plans for you. Come on and pray for one another. Intercede for one another. Cover each other right now. needs to get a burden today somebody needs to get a burden today somebody anybody please when was the last time you wept over a soul when was the last time when was the last time you wept over a prodigal when was the last time you wept over a brother and sister that's in the church when was the last time On, people are being deceived left and right people are on their way to hell people are on their way to hell somebody needs to pray somebody needs to call out to Jesus people are dying and going to hell come on somebody pray somebody pray somebody pray somebody pray somebody pray please please their life is depending on it. Come on, their soul is depending on your prayers. I'm 
sorry. Give me a few more minutes. I'm sorry. I feel God push it. Come on. Somebody is depending on your prayers right now. Your prayers right now could be making the difference. Come on, you're weeping right now. Your tears right now could be making the difference in somebody's life right now. I'm speaking it right now. There's going to be a prodigal that's going to text some of y'all today. There's going to be a prodigal that's going to call some of y'all today. There's going to be a prodigal that's going to show up in church tomorrow because somebody is standing in the gap. Somebody is praying. Come on, I'm preaching to young people right now who have never left the church, but you're feeling weak. You're feeling insignificant. But God is ministering to you right now. Let those tears flow. God is touching you right now. God is strengthening you right now. God is showing you what you mean to Him right now. He's showing you how valuable and how special you are to Him right now. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. Somebody pray. pray.